This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time to talk Mariners baseball. Holy smokes! With spring training just around the corner, we are geared up for baseball. This is at the wall, and it is gone into the bullpen for a two-run homer. Some serious hang time from Nelson Cruz. It's the hot stove. On 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Sports app. Welcome inside the hot stove. Happy you're with us. Good evening, Aaron Goldsmith, Shannon Dreyer, Mike Flowers, producer-engineer Kevin Krim in one of his final shows, and Curtis Rogers running things for us tonight. Guys, the uh, second hot stove show of the year. Plenty of things to talk about. Shannon, Mike, how are you guys? Shannon? I think I'm better than you right now. You are, yeah. But I've seen the doctor and have my meds, so a couple of days I'll be fine. You've got the low voice going. Is it pretty good? Not bad. Not bad. <laughs> I, I, I'm intimidated. <laughs> well, we, we'll be talking with uh, Dr. Lorena Martin in a, a matter of minutes, so uh, maybe she'll prescribe something. Okay. Uh, Shannon, I, I know that uh, the Mariners recently uh, put out the uh, list of um, non-roster invitees to spring training, which is kind of a formality at this time, but that simply means that uh, we are approaching – uh, Cactus League play, pitchers and catchers, a matter of weeks away at this point. And uh, this has been almost an uncomfortable period of quietness from Jerry DePoto, isn't it? Well, and you've, you've spoken with him weekly on a podcast, so he's okay, right? You've seen him. He is. We've had to, him, we've had to talk about things uh, other than uh, player moves. There you go, which is we found he can talk about a number <laughs> of things, which is the upside here. But, yeah, honestly, I think that uh, when he came in, there was a lot of heavy lifting to be done, and that was done in the first two years. I think they were pretty upfront about kind of what the intent was at the beginning of this offseason, what the needs were, and I think we're just so accustomed now to seeing so many moves that it, it just is kind of strange to see things kind of slow down, to, to be able to sit back, relax a little bit, and we're still, I think, only just 28 days away. It's been that kind of winter, though, across baseball. To watch, If you look at the free agents and, and how difficult that has been for those guys, I, I mean, I, it'll be interesting to watch. Um, we're starting to see a little bit more, but typically you're getting pretty close, especially this year to spring training. And there are a lot of guys out there still wondering what they're going to be doing. It's interesting how this year the pool of free agents is smaller than uh, maybe in a typical year and how the cost as a result partly of that of most free agents is obviously very, very steep. And Jerry's even spoken to this to some length about the fact that, I mean, you look, you look at 30 teams in baseball right now. How many of them are truly going into opening day wanting to, I mean, really compete, right? Wanting to compete to the level where you will go out and you will spend $100 million on a first baseman or on a number two starter or an ace. I mean, you take market size into account, teams that cannot afford that, and then take into account certain teams that are not maybe uh, putting it all in. And, yeah, Mike, you're right. You suddenly have a much smaller pool of, of clientele. And it's it's happening right now. Jeff Passan had a great article about it at Yahoo yesterday that really kind of got into it. And I can't remember a time when there have been this many teams out. And he says there are eight, and he listed them off, the possibility of three that are kind of in and out. Well, that's a third of your, your, your league yeah, sure. right now. 
throw in the Yankees and the Dodgers trying to get under the luxury tax, that's $100 million those two teams are not spending this year, what they've lopped off of their budgets. So it's made for a very interesting, and as Mike said, no doubt, a, a very nervous free agent season for some. I, I think for myself, and, and I've, I've heard a lot of different things, but you mentioned the tax. Um, I think teams are in line with that. Obviously, teams that have been spending all of that money are trying to get back in line. I wonder how much of it is length of contract. When you look at the guys that are the big free agent, probably veteran guys that are out there, and they're looking, you know, they're in that 31, 32-year range, and they're looking for five, six, seven years. Because I really don't think it really is going to come down to, I think teams would pay the money for this year or the next year. It's the length of the contract. It seems to me that's one of the problems. There hasn't been a contract given more than three years so far this offseason. And I think we've seen the trend the last few years to grow your own, your prospects, and then to sign them if you can. And that seemed almost like a, a kind of a new kind of strategy. It was all about the free agents for so long, then the trades, growing prospects for trades. But now I think teams are really kind of holding on to their own players even more right now, which makes for a thinner free agent market, which doesn't help either. How much do you guys think it also comes down to information when you're talking about the age and when the, with the expectancy of these guys to hit that wall at some point, everybody does, and, they're, and then everybody's looking at that, and maybe these different contracts are no longer such a good deal to them because of the information that's out there, because every year it seems that, well, you, Shannon, you and I have talked about it a bunch, Aaron and I do all the time, there's always more information every single year and what that plays into all of this. Yeah, and it's like kind of the strategy to develop your own players. It's five years ago, ten years ago. Ten years ago, there were two teams doing it, basically. Right. Five years ago, uh, probably a healthy half plus plus, and then some. And now everybody is, is very heavily invested. There's going to be an adjustment. At well, and that's what I wonder because I was thinking about it today, and I heard, oh, probably three or four different agents, and they're all common names. And I'm wondering if they're having to catch up now because they're just not seeing it the way that most of the clubs are going about and doing their business. Well, what do you think Scott Boris is thinking when yeah. he's sitting with five of the biggest free agents right. in the market? And you know he's thinking all along. So, Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch. Well, we've got plenty to cover here this evening. Uh, we will finish the show off with one of our favorites and yours as well. Larry Stone will join us for a couple of segments at the end of the program. And uh, we'll be talking, obviously, about the Mariners and what he makes of the Mariners going into 2018. But also we're going to devote some uh, pretty serious time with Larry uh, talking about Edgar Martinez and uh, the numbers for Edgar Shannon uh, updated about 80, 81% with, uh, what, less than uh, half the ballots in? Does that sound about right? Just less than half the ballots in. And if you recall, okay, 75, obviously, is what you need for induction. Last year, he peaked at just around 70, finished at just over 65. So this is the kind of period where he starts to fall a little bit. He's got a much healthier lead right now and... He's trending so much better with both first-time voters voting for the first time and the number of returning voters who have voted for him the first time. Fun conversation coming up with Larry at the end of the program. We'll also be joined by a couple of Mariners pitchers, one of the bullpen, one of the rotation. Andrew Moore will join us in the second hour, the former Beeve, and uh, Dan Altavilla, a, a very sad Pittsburgh Steelers fan right now. Uh, Thunder Dan will be joining us in uh, about 30 minutes from now. Uh, but in just a few moments, we'll have a chance to talk with a, a name that, you have probably maybe heard of at this point. Uh, if not, you will be hearing of her, no doubt, as we uh, get into April and, well, before that, spring training. Uh, Dr. Lorena Martin, who is the Mariners Director of High Performance. This is something that, as Jerry DePoto has spoken about, this is something that has been very much a part of other major sports, the NBA included, English Premier Soccer, 
Australian rules football, cycling, believe it or not, this idea of director of performance. Uh, but it has not been adopted until now at the major league level by the Mariners. And we're just a few minutes away from talking to Dr. Martin. But, Shannon, I know, I know you have spoken to her already. I did, and I had to pull out all the college science classes. Stu, <laughs> it was a fascinating conversation. I think you'll enjoy talking to her. It's going to be pretty interesting. I, I think we'll learn from uh, Dr. Martin uh, how involved she will be, Mike. And I know as you and I were talking about before we went on the air, this is something I don't think was involved uh, when you were playing. Somebody who was in charge of uh, your, your, your mental uh, state, your uh, physical well-being, uh, what you're eating, how hard you are lifting, uh, how much you're running. Sleep. And your sleep patterns as well. Yeah. And uh, we're leaving some things off. I'm sure. Well, and, and, and Shannon has talked about it a little bit even today, but it, you watch this game and watch it evolve and what it has become. And all those things that you just talked about, now it's all together. And you're trying to take advantage of that, and why wouldn't you if you have the ability to do that? Um, you know, obviously some of this stuff I think myself and a number of my former teammates would have loved to have that kind of information and structure sure. um, just to be better. That's what these guys want to do. They all want to improve and be better and be the best that they can be. Well, we will hear from Dr. Lorena Martin, the Mariners Director of High Performance. Glad you're with us tonight on the Hot Stove Show. Just getting underway. Dr. Martin comes up after this timeout. Back to more of the Hot Stove on 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle Sports app. She is a certified strength and conditioning trainer. She is a certified athletic trainer. She has a a Ph.D. in exercise physiology, a master's in sports psychology, and she's a certified nutritionist. I have dubbed her the unicorn. She's also a biostatistician and a performance analyst. She built this skill set over the course of, uh, let's call it 20 years of, of educational background. And she comes to us not only with areas of expertise in the training room and medical and on the nutrition table, but she's, she's a mathematician who understands how to look at the data, manage big data to lead us toward better decision making. Uh, Mike looks very confused right now. Uh, we are happy to welcome in uh, the That was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I was pretty happy with that sound bite. Uh, Dr. Lorena Martin, of course, the voice you heard before that was uh, General Manager Jerry Depoto, of course. Uh, but, Dr. Martin, it is a pleasure to have you here on the hot stove. Thank you for taking some time out of what must be a very busy schedule for yourself. Oh, no, thank you for having me. Very excited to be here. Uh, now, were all of those things listed on your resume when uh, you first spoke with Jerry and the Mariners? Uh, probably all, um, I may have missed, you know, maybe something like the NASA visiting researcher or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, you know, Dr. Martin, we have, uh, we're grateful that we have a good amount of time to talk to you here this evening. And uh, we want to get into a lot of specifics about what you have already started doing with the Mariners. But first and foremost, I'm pretty fascinated by how in the world, Jerry and the Mariners found you. I know that this was not a, an easy task to find someone of your skill set. There are not many of you around. Can you kind of walk us through how this uh, a marriage eventually uh, came to be with, with you and the Mariners? Yeah, yeah. Um, I would say it was very serendipitous. Um, as a matter of fact, it's uh, interesting. It's a little bit longer than what you'd want, so I'll try and condense it. Uh, so after... I don't know if you know, after writing that book, The Sports Performance uh, Measurement and Analytics um, for Northwestern University, and I developed a course for that, Sports Analytics, I was basically reached out to by the Lakers. And so I went on with the Lakers. I signed on with them. I was heading up the Sports Performance Analytics Department. 
And amidst of that, uh, during our, our, our off season, I actually go to went to several conferences, including a sports science conference um, that is out on the east in the East Coast. And uh, somebody there had approached me and mentioned, um, "Would you be interested? I had a presentation to do, and would you be interested in possibly applying for this position?" And at the time, I, you know, I, I said, "Well, I'm actually very happy where I'm at with the Lakers. You know, it's a great organization." Um, great ownership, and, um, you know, so I didn't feel the need, but then we touched base again, and then I thought, huh, is, is that still open? Because I thought it was very neat. Um, they they mentioned to me that it would be not only the director of one department, uh, one area, it would basically oversee the mental skills, uh, physical therapy, athletic training, um, the team physicians, and the nutrition, and I thought, Ah, I, I think I'm up for that challenge and um, be more of an agent of change. So, uh, and, and there, here I am. What what can anal- just kind of explain a little bit? Uh, we we're very familiar with the analytics when it comes to performance on the field. When you're talking about the sports science analytics, what can that do for a player, for a team, for an organization? Uh, utilizing those? So that's a great question. That's a wonderful question. Uh, So many times we see on-field metrics and strategy metrics, uh, like saber metrics, and then um, many times it's it's been an area that's been neglected, not only in, in baseball, but in, I would say, a lot of the sports. So taking into account how well an athlete um, is responding to training loads and how fatigue set in, when does fatigue set in for particular individuals, and so forth. So taking this into consideration um, can help customize the programs and find out where each individual's threshold is so that you can better start to get a, start to get a better picture of how this athlete responds. So some may respond better to uh, sprinting versus cardio endurance right so just to think to give you a a simple example if you take a a sprinter's body right um their their body if you look at the substrate so the nutrition is also involved in this their body utilizes uh i would say in simple terms much more of the glycogen storage whereas if you take a marathon runner their body actually could rely much more on fat storage which is typically how you see the marathon runner looking uh, quite different from a sprinter's. If you look at a sprinter's body versus a marathoner, uh, they have extremely different phenotypes, the way the body looks. And a lot of this is dictated by what they're training, how they're training. And how they're training also dictates what energy system within the body is being primarily utilized. Um, So a lot of people don't realize that at all times, you, myself, everybody, whoever's listening, uh, we basically have three systems that are currently always ongoing. Right, you have the ATP PCR system. So this is a this is your quick burst of energy. Uh, so an example I always like to give is if I were to ask you to sprint a mile, the first 10 seconds, the first actually I would say six to eight seconds that you're sprinting all out, you're utilizing your your predominant system is the ATP PCR system, and then after that, even if I'm telling you to sprint, your body automatically downshifts to uh, the, gly- the glycogen, uh, a, gly- a glycolysis system, right? So it utilizes different fuel. 
which um, is also dictated by how the, the foods that you eat. Um, from then on, after about two to three minutes of trying to sprint, which you're probably going pretty slow with a sprint compared to when you started, you're actually dipping into your fat storage. Um, hence why a lot of people say, hey, at a lower intensity, you can burn more fat molecules. Um, that's the real reason why they say that, because when you're at a lower intensity, um, you're oxidizing more fat molecules. But anyhow, um, yes. Oh, I was just going to ask, uh, when, when, you're list, when, when I'm listening to all of, of that, and, and, and I think about baseball players and the team, and you have obviously starting pitchers, and then you have the relievers, and you have catchers, and you have guys in the outfield that when you talk about sprinting, they're there for their speed. But more importantly than anything, the game always evolves, and I, and I was making the comment before you came on that the players always want to get better. If there's information to help them, they're going to want it. What's been their response so far to you? To me, they've reached out actually on their own, um, providing me with some of their own data that they have to take a look at it and, and be able to help them interpret that data, how to use it efficiently and, and accurately. Because one thing is you have all this information, but now what does it mean? How do you put it into good use? Um, the players have been great so far. They've embraced me so far. I'm very happy. I went down to the training uh, in Miami a, a few weeks ago. Um, that Nelson had invited uh, quite a few of the players, and um, I was very well received. I really was very grateful to to meet such a great group of guys. Um, excellent training that they were doing. So, yep. Well, Dr. Martin, we are uh, eager to talk to you more about this. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, more with the uh, Mariners' new director of high performance, Dr. Lorena Martin. All that's coming up after this timeout. Take a group out to the ball game. And... Time is now to join the club as a Mariners' season ticket holder, locking the best seats at the best prices to catch all the action at Safeco Field for this upcoming season. More information can be had among the uh, many benefits you'll enjoy as a season ticket holder by simply going to mariners.com slash 18. We continue on the Hot Stove Show, and we are pleased once again to be joined by Dr. Lorena Martin, the Mariners Director of High Performance. And uh, Dr. Martin, as you are well aware, the, uh, the Mariners have had some injury problems the last two years. And it, I, probably the simplest way to say it is that the Mariners have placed more players on the disabled list the last two seasons than any other two consecutive seasons in club history. And a lot of those problems, Dr. Martin, have obviously been on the pitching side. And I know you have a very strong tennis background. Uh, from what I can gather from Jerry DePoto, the, the baseball delivery and the tennis racket motion, are, those are kind of the two most similar things in sports. Or a better way to put it, the tennis motion is the most similar to throwing a baseball. Uh, how much uh, will your tennis background be able to help you, especially on the, on the pitching side of things with the Mariners? Well, um, yeah, great. Another great question. Uh, in, in that case, uh, you know, I definitely acknowledge the differences. There are definitely some differences. However, the pitching motion and the tennis serving motion, uh, they, they do share a, lo a lot of commonalities, um, especially the transfer of energy through the, through the legs, the core, and then the arm. Um, you know, there's a lot of wear and tear on the, on the shoulder as well as the elbow. Uh, typical injuries that can be prevented, certain exercises and arm, arm care prevention programs that you can put the players on that uh, have been shown to be effective in preventing injuries. And, and I would not preventing injuries, but maintaining a, what I say, a solid, a good foundation for your arm to maintain and be durable. 
throughout the season. So that's something that we're definitely uh, working on. Uh, we we have a great uh, training staff. I think that now with the implement- implementation of the data-driven approach, we're looking at what's really working and what's not worked before in the past and making minor tweaks and modifications. Um, so hopefully that'll that'll begin to show throughout the season. Baseball is kind of a unique sport in that it's a sport that they play every day just about for the better part of six months and spring training. And sometimes it's not the big injury that knocks you out and puts you on the DL that can be the problem. You can have a uh, hamstring hamstring strain or a calf strain or a, any kind of leg-type injury that can slow you for months. What, how do, what do you do about that? How much progress can you make with something like that? Okay, so that's something that's been on our area of topic of conversation as of recently, even more so. So discussing, you know, you you can have two players, totally different personalities and upbringing, um, and they could have, let's say, a, a grade one uh, hamstring strain, and you know, one of them may complain or or you know, they maybe need the day off. You have to know which players, how they respond, what is their preference, and how their body reacts also. Because somebody, some of them can recover very quickly. And rather than taking three to five days off, you know, maybe it's one day. Or actually, maybe some can actually play through it. Now, as you mentioned, this is a, they play every day. Uh, very infrequently that they have a day off. So keeping a close eye on it, which is also something that our new management, athlete management system that we're incorporating will help us do a better job at seeing where they're at on a daily basis, how they're feeling, looking at the load. Um, and when I say load, how much are they playing out on the field? Also looking at how much work they're doing in the strength and conditioning room. Are they getting enough recovery um, so that they, they can – heal basically and be and be ready to perform but that's also um very first it has to be personalized in 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 those situations because you could have two people that have the same type of injury and one can heal a lot quicker than the other some of it is genetic some of some of it is definitely discipline how they take care of their bodies and and you know you, we have to kind of get a gauge on uh as to who responds quicker and what can we do to help them. Yeah, I know for myself, and, and when I was a player here, one of the things that we complained about a lot was the travel. There's nothing you can do about that. You've already talked about the sleep and nutrition and the conditioning, but these guys are still going to be in a plane more than any other team most years. Um, what can you do about that, and, and how does that affect the body and these guys trying to bounce back after a long road trip? Oh, absolutely. So we definitely have uh, quite a few things in in mind. Um, One, looking at uh, the hyperbaric chambers. So there's this, uh, it's a modality that uh, basically allows you to breathe in pure oxygen, which has been shown to help in in recovery, right? So having that available to our players now, so that's something that we're definitely getting on board this season that we haven't had before. And as well as uh, there's also other things that have been have been utilized in the past uh, in the medical arena, for instance, for deep vein thrombosis, where it's basically used to prevent blood clotting in the legs. But um, and it's just basically a stimulation. It's like a patch that you put uh, the, behind your knee on the actually on the peroneal nerve, and uh, 
it basically stimulates your, how would I say, your nerve so that when the blood cools down to your lower body, it's actually being pulled back up. So what happens is when you're sitting in the plane for, like, let's suppose a very long flight, you know, five, six hours, uh, the blood is, you know, pulling down to the, towards your legs, theoretically, physiologically. And so this, these types of devices can allow for better recovery, get the blood flow going throughout the whole body. Another thing is staying hydrated. And there's different ways to monitor that. So we're definitely pumping up the volume as far as recovery modalities and to mitigate the effects of travel. We have a few more minutes with Dr. Lorena Martin, the Mariners' new director of high performance. This is a, a really a revolutionary position within Major League Baseball. The Mariners are the first to have a position of this kind at the Major League level. And, uh, Dr. Martin, one of the things I, I think probably many Mariners fans are curious about in terms of what 2018 will look like, that is the health of Felix Hernandez. Felix, who had been uh, healthy for so many years, year after year after year, the last two seasons, however, have been an exception uh, and I'm curious if you have either had a chance to uh, to meet and talk with Felix and if whether you have or haven't, if you had a chance to just kind of take a look at what has been uh, ailing uh, Felix the last couple of seasons and whatever best practice you might initially think there might be to uh, help Felix have a, a season of uh, 30 starts or so. No, absolutely. Um, so Felix, I was able to meet uh, over in Miami and uh, – I got to say, I was very impressed with him as a person. I think he's an amazing individual. Uh, he looked in shape. He looks like he's been prepping. I've been touching base with him periodically to make sure that, um, uh, you know, we can start on the right foot. Um, I definitely think we have a great potential uh, to get him to, to go back to his best performance. Um, so that's something that hopefully slowly but surely – we can start to approach. He definitely has the right attitude. So, what, what have you been doing? What, what's the typical day been for you ever since you've been hired? I know there's so much that you're trying to put in place right now, but what do you need to get done before spring training? Oh, quite a quite a bit. Um, so we're finalizing a quite a few uh, hires positions, and um, we're not delayed. I would say that we are looking at the best candidates possible. I'm really particular about who we get in place. I definitely want to create a culture of, of excellence. Um, so not necessarily perfection, but striving for excellence, people of good character, um, authentic individuals that know their substance and, and can contribute to the Mariners organization. So that's been a big one. Uh, the hiring process, uh, come in, uh, try and uh, at least get some healthy food in at some point <laughs> within the day. Then, you know, going from meeting to meeting, uh, calling players, calling staff, trying to set up protocols, um, you know, setting up parameters. Not that everything has to be structured, but I like to have a map of where we're going and how we're going to get there. And, you know, I, I like to think about it in statistics terms. You know, if we have a map and, a, and you know, we have – sort of direction as to where we're going. And you know when you're drifting, then you can kind of get back to where you need to go. So I like to think about it as, you know, we can we have range to be free within about one standard deviation, plus or minus one standard deviation. Once we're going out into the two, maybe we're losing focus and we need to, you know, regroup and go back in the direction. So that's something that I'm getting all of the department, I would say, sub-department directors 
you know, director of strength and conditioning, player performance, uh, director of peak performance, which is, you know, the mental skills and the athletic trainers, the medical staff, trying to help develop protocols that based on their expertise and their experience that they can come up with a nice outline as to how we're going to get there, where is it that we need to get to, and then leaving room so that everyone can put a little bit of their style into it along the way. Well, Dr. Martin. So that really has consumed a lot of my time, yeah. I can imagine. Hey, I've got a one-year-old and a three-year-old I'd like to submit for a sleep study. So we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll circle back with you during spring training. We'll see what you can say. Uh, but, uh, Dr. Martin, we, we certainly appreciate your time. You are incredibly busy and uh, very well qualified, as we can tell. Thank you so much for joining us on the hot stove. No, thank you so much for having me. A pleasure. There is a Dr. Lorena Martin, the Mariners' new director of high performance. Pretty, uh, pretty heavy lifting going on right there. Hey, we've got a lot more to get to here on the hot stove when we come back. Speaking of heavy lifting, uh, Dan Altavilla. Thunder Dan's going to swing by. We're going to talk things over with the Mariners reliever. That's coming up. The 710 Seattle Sports app. And again, the 2-2 to Correa, and it's strike three called on the inside corner at the knees, and Correa is hopping mad. He jumped right out of the batter's box with feet. A huge strikeout for Dan Altavilla. A couple of strikeouts here at the top of the eighth inning, fanning Springer, and now striking out Carlos Correa on a 2-2 pitch. One of our favorite guys in the clubhouse and up on the mound, Dan Altavilla, joining us from the Mariners' caravan. Dan, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Now, uh, I I heard Dan. For those who don't know, you're you're a pretty big Steelers fan, right? I am. Now, I heard I heard you were at the game. I I was at the game and I was freezing cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, was this a, was this a family affair? I mean, the whole family big Steelers fans, I would think. Uh, I mean, we're not we're not huge Steelers fans, but we follow the Steelers. Yeah, as a family. Well, you're uh, you're you're uh, very busy right now on the caravan. What Centralia, Tacoma, as well today. Getting out, getting out, and uh, spreading the good word of the Mariners to uh, fans all over the place. How's the caravan been treating you so far? Uh, caravan's been awesome. It's good to see all the fans out, and um, just uh, visited a hospital today, so we got a chance to see some some children there. They were all excited, and then. We just had a really big turnout uh, at a baseball facility here in uh, Portland, and it was a good time. Kids were excited. They were excited to, you know, get out there and throw some strikes off the mound and hit off the tee with us. Well, Dan, we're looking forward to seeing you throw some strikes off the mound. What what has your off season been like? Did you spend it in Pittsburgh? What kind of work have you done of late? What's what's been going on with you? Yeah, I spent the whole off season in uh, Pittsburgh this time, and. Uh, you know, I just I spent a good portion of it getting stronger in the in the weight room and um, throwing weighted balls and uh, long tossing and everything. And you know, just before I came out here to Seattle, I uh, started ramping it up off the mound. So things are looking really good. Uh, big focal point uh, this off season was my front side, keeping it closed, and it's come a long way. And I feel really good about where I'm at now. So I'm excited to get to spring training and start competing with everybody. What's the difference of having that opportunity? It's one thing to find something into a, in a season, but having that opportunity to work on it, like you just said, in the off season, how different is that? Um, it, well, it, it's it's huge because in the season it, it's tough to you know work on something whenever you're trying to produce results for the team and win a game. So you know whenever you have the whole off season to work on something, it's it's really nice and you could kind of relax and not worry about things as much. So. 
you know, it's it's really it's it's beneficial for us players. When you look back at, at last year, what what is something that maybe you thought about when the season was over that you would like to get better at? Uh, we were talking about you, Dan, before you came on the air, and just your upside, it's, it's through the roof as far as what we're concerned. So what was something that maybe you really concentrated on, outside of maybe a mechanical thing like keeping your shoulder um, from flying over? Right. Right. I think um, I think fastball command is going to gonna take me the longest way. Uh, as soon as I can get that to right where I want it to be, I think, you know, where, right where my slider's at now, I think I think it could be a pretty dangerous combo. You know, we kind of saw that at the end of the year this uh, past year. So, you know, I think fastball command is going to be uh, the biggest thing for me. Dan Altavilla is our guest here on the hot stove. And, you know, Dan, it's it's interesting when you look at how pitching is changing before our very eyes and especially the role of relievers and how having a guy who is capable of working multiple innings in the bullpen is of such great value right now with how tough it is to find good quality starting pitching. And last year we saw you on – a pretty good number of times work multiple innings whether it be uh, getting five outs getting as many as a two full innings or even one time a, a three inning outing uh, how different was that for you and uh, if I'm remembering right based on our conversations this was something that they kind of saw coming on the horizon for you and you kind of started doing with the Rainiers a little bit as well is that right yes um, so whenever I was sent down they wanted um they wanted the relievers to focus on multiple inning outings and that was one big thing for me was to uh, build me up to three innings and uh it was definitely different at first and I definitely felt the fatigue there in uh, the third inning whenever I was in triple uh, a but it uh from what we could tell whenever I got called back up it was that was a big big thing for us whenever starters came out after the second time through you know we'd be in there around the fifth inning so and they'd expect a lot from us so I think that's Right now, where the game's at, uh, the real, uh, multiple inning reliever, you know, it's it's going to be a big impact on the game, and you know, I don't think we're going to see starters going as deep as uh, we're used to. We just had an opportunity to talk with Do- Dr. Lorena Martin Martin on the show, and uh, I have a feeling she's somebody that you might uh, have a lot of interest in talking to. She's just going to be in charge of so many different things that can make all of you guys better. Uh, in peak performance, what are some of the kind of areas of interest you have? Uh, beyond what you already know and what you're interested in working with her on? Uh, I mean, just from uh, talking to her uh, twice already this offseason, um, it, it's crazy how many credentials she has and how smart she really is. So I'm excited to just pick her brain and just about everything, about nutrition, about um, my exercise in the weight room and just how often I should be doing them and just kind of have her, have her look over what I've been doing and if, if they've been beneficial for me or they kind of been hurting me. So, you know, I'm really excited to talk with her and kind of sit down and, you know, just really pick her brain. Along those, that, that same line of thinking, you, you mentioned it earlier, Dan, about the weighted ball. What, what are you trying to accomplish from that? And as far as your overall workout, including that, how involved are the Mariners when you're not around here in Seattle and you're back home? Uh, so with the, with the weighted balls, um, I'm just trying to reinforce, um, like, my arm path and uh, my mechanics and good direction. And also, uh, it's I also have a recovery program with it, and uh, I follow the driveline weighted ball program. So the, I keep in touch with the owner of that, and um, there's a lot of guys who've been picking it up, and and it's, it's had a, a big outcome on, like, arm health and just overall strength in, in general. So, um 
But uh, as for in the off season, we kind of, you know, they give us a strength program to follow and suggestions. But everything is we're we're at a point where we've been doing things for so long, and what's what's worked for us in the past, we kind of stick with it. But you know, if if we have questions, we could reach out to um, Cliffy or or anybody, and they'll be more than happy to get back to us and uh, give us suggestions. Well, Dan, uh, you'll you'll be disappointed to know that when I asked your general manager who he thinks could leg press more, Dan Altavilla or Nelson Cruz, he said Cruz, man. So, <laughs> I, I had I had I had my money I had my money on the American Gladiator. Okay, I'm just going to put that out there. But oh man, we'll have to see. That's if you're going to be second to anybody, right? Second to Nelson Cruz isn't. Oh yeah, I mean. Just if you follow Nelson Cruz on Instagram or any social media, you can see he's a he's a workhorse and he's been getting after it. So, you know, I'll take I'll take second to Cruz any day. <laughs> well, Dan, it's always great to uh, to chat with you a little bit, man. We're looking forward to seeing you in spring training, and we know, as Mike said, man, you are uh, man. The potential there is through the roof. We've seen it before. We're excited to see you compete not too long from now. Thank you for uh, taking a moment out of your evening and joining us here on the hot stove. Awesome. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Well, it's not too early to select the lineup of games you want to see this summer at Safeco Field. Choose from exciting events like fireworks nights and bobblehead nights, plus marquee matchups against the Dodgers, the Giants, the Yankees. You can pick up your single-game tickets right now by going to Mariners.com. Aaron Goldsmith, Shannon Dreyer, and Mike Flowers wrapping up the first hour of the hot stove. Uh, let's see. I'm. What was the channel? What was the uh, Dr. Lorena Martin, the – the, one of the last things she said that I couldn't wrap my mind around. The glycolic? No, that was, the, that was before that. The, um, the, the points off of. Standard deviation, deviations from the norm. Yeah. You're, uh, I don't know, Mike. I think I'm, I think I'm, too, I think I'm too off, which, uh, according to Dr. Martin, is not a good thing. One is okay. But one is okay. Not, two, is, <laughs> two is out of balance. It was amazing to listen to all the different things that, one, she's involved in and the amount of information. And, and I have to wonder, and, and we've talked about this some um, just with, with – the analytics that are out there now and the players and, and the guys, they're all different, um, not just physically different or what their job is going to consist of, but the way that they can take the information in and how quickly they process it and make it work for them on the field. So all that stuff is, is going to be interesting to watch. One of my favorite things that she mentioned was at the very start when she said, well, after I, after I published my book with Northwestern University and was hired by the Lakers, the Mariners went after me. Oh, it's good to be Dr. Martin. She also uh, did research for the National Institute of Health. And there's something with NASA that she just kind of breezed over, I noticed. So <laughs> I wish we could uh, get a get a get uh, tr- someone transcribe what that interview process looked like. Uh, but th- I think this is going to be really interesting to track over the course of this season. Uh, you know, based on how this regime with the Mariners is, how pretty open and honest it is about a lot of things, I think we will find that uh, – we will kind of be taken behind the curtain more times than not to exactly what it is that she's doing and uh, the the challenges that, that this implementing this big of a program at the major league level. This is a lot for one person, even with the staff that she's talking about hiring. This is a lot for one person to take on. Yeah, but look at what she's accomplished already. So she's taken on Absolutely. a lot getting to where she is right now and getting the credentials behind her and the knowledge. So it'll be interesting to see. But the more I think about it, you know, 
a few years ago, not everybody was looking at video. Now everybody's looking at video, not just in the video room. They're sending it to their iPads and, you know, all the different uh, metrics that Jerry DePoto has brought in that they talk about in meetings, the meetings that they had. I mean, so much has been introduced. Uh, the individual coaches that people work with in the off season. Uh, nobody knew what a launch angle was three years ago or, you know, tracking velocity off of the bat. All of these things have been put on players' plates. So now it's just I think you're continuing what's kind of been going on for a while just in a different avenue. I, I think, too, Shannon, along those lines with Jerry and, and, and his entire staff, when you look at things in general, and Aaron mentioned it, when you look at the pitching and the starting pitching for the Mariners over the last couple of years, um, and the amount of injury. I think you go through one season like that and you think, well, that was just bad luck. You go through a couple of seasons like that, you know that he was going to do something to address that situation. And that's something that I'll be interested in. If they can actually carve those those injuries out and keep these guys on the field longer, which would be the game plan. Because, look, one of the things that has changed in this game, and we talk about it, and we just talked to Dan, is the max effort pitching all the time. It didn't used to be that way, but that's where these guys are at now, and velocity is so important. So, how do you put all that together to keep these guys on the field? I think it'll be interesting to watch. How many times have we asked, oh, if you could just sit Robinson Cano for three days, would you have him at 80 85% for the next you know, three months rather than at you know, yeah. 60% with the legs? Yeah, I think that that's going to be interesting to watch too because in a situation like that, when you're talking about somebody like Robbie, one of the things that, that I appreciate about him and that I respect about him is he wants to be in the lineup every single day. And, and where does that go from here? And, if, and it's not just saying we've talked about it with Kyle and Nelson. They're, they're, these guys want to play, which is a good thing. But I think maybe if they're given the information and they understand over the course of the season, by the end of the year, this may make the difference on the numbers and the wins and losses with the team. I think they all buy into it. By the way, Mike, hearing you talk about max effort pitching, when you, when you were swinging a bat in the major leagues, were you, were you max effort on the swing? No. And it goes back to something as simple as people say, well, trying to hit home runs, and most guys that hit the ball out of the ballpark will tell you, well, I'm not trying to because right. when I try to, I typically will swing and miss or foul a pitch off that I shouldn't hit. So that is, it's, it's not that way. But these guys now, they're, they're, so, they're in such great shape to begin with, and they are so in tune with balance. And as Shannon was mentioning, the video that they have and all the instruction that is out there, they basically want to get to a point to where if you watch Robinson Cano, it looks like there's no effort in it, but there is plenty because of the bat speed that he has to generate. But it's not a max effort thing for them. Most of the time it is absolutely not. So I was curious if this has become like the max effort league, but you're saying not. Like it, we, it, it is on the pitching side, and I was curious if it was on the hitting side I don't with think all the strikeouts you, I don't, and home runs. Yeah, I, I don't think that you could get that way just because of where the velocities are. I, I think that hitting is it's, it's tougher now than it's ever been. And to try to – what happens typically if you try to max effort on a swing, you're going to get longer, and that does not compute when a guy's out there throwing 97 miles an hour. So there, there's, there's, there's a medium in there, and these guys are trying to find it. You look like uh, George Springer from 2013, not George Springer from uh, World Series MVP. Well, right. I mean, you can see the difference, too. For right? Sure. Uh, yeah, and, and that's where the game is. Obviously, a very talented person, a, a real athlete, max effort guy with everything running, everything he's doing, but eventually you have to make some changes, and, and these guys are, are constantly having to do that. And I think that the velocities we've seen over the last three, four years and how consistent it is, the hitters have had to make adjustments, too. Got a lot coming up in the second hour of the show just around the corner. We'll have a chance to talk with Andrew Moore of the Mariners rotation, get a chance to catch up with uh, a guy who will uh, no doubt factor into the major league picture for the Mariners this season. And also looking forward to a two-part conversation with Larry Stone of the Seattle Times. And we'll be talking with Larry, of course, about what he thinks the Mariners will look like uh, this coming season, uh, some of the things that have caught his eye. But 
Also, Blow, eager to talk to him a little bit about Edgar and, uh, man, all the momentum for Edgar that we've seen this year in the, in the candidacy for Cooperstown. Yeah, I, I think everybody's encouraged by it, but I would turn all of that over to Shannon because Shannon has been on this for the last few years, and she is uh, more prepared to talk about <laughs> the numbers and what this means for Gar and his opportunities, but I think it looks pretty good for him right now. It's going to be a good conversation. That's coming up uh, near the back half of the show. Well, right now it is time for our trivia question. Remember, you can call toll-free 206-421-3776. What were Mike Zanino's home run and RBI totals for his month of June? Remember Janino? Uh The winner receives a microstructure Mariners blanket. Stay warm all season long, available at all Mariners team stores. The number, once again, 206 421 3776. What were Mike Zanino's home run and RBI totals for his month of Janino? Looking forward to getting your call. We'll announce the winner on the other side of this timeout. We've got a lot more to come up. Second hour of the hot stove just around the corner. Welcome back to the second hour of the hot stove. We just asked you the question, tonight's trivia question. What were Mike Zanino's home run and RBI totals for his month of Janino? It was a simply spectacular month for the Mariners catcher. And uh, for the answer, how about we go to the audio vault? Goodwill into his motion. Here's the pitch. Swung on and drilled to left field. This is crushed. This is back. This is gone. Junino continues. Mike Zanino, his 10th home run this month, his 11th of the season, and he has given the Mariners a 1-0 lead for Mike Zanino, RBI 31 in the month of June, and that one was smashed. Ten home runs, 31 driven in. Jen Heward in Seattle, congratulations for being tonight's winner. Only four Mariners in any position have ever had more RBIs in a single month. Edgar Martinez and Mike Lowers, 33. In 1995, August of that year, Mike, you, you remember that month? It was a pretty important month for us in the organization. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was, it was, you know, it was one of those things where it was is we talk about momentum all the time. A lot of that was going on that month. I mean, you could see it, Edgar also driving in 33 runs in the same month, and so we won a lot of ball games. We scored a lot of runs. It was fun. Great lineup. Buner 95 as well did the yeah. same thing, uh, and the uh, winner Jen Heward uh, wins a. The microstructure Mariners blanket. So good stuff for it, Jen. Uh, I think uh, Zanino is obviously uh, somebody that we'll be talking a lot about during the course of spring training. We saw some incredible things, as we just heard uh, over the course of last season. It still had its its waves, as I think probably any player will have. And I think Mike's probably shown that uh, he may be more than some players will have their ups and downs. But for Mike, at the end of the season, the numbers were better than I think any of us could have possibly hoped for. Yeah, you're a top three in a lot of categories offensively for the catchers. And I, I think a lot of people look, well, it was just Janino. No, it wasn't. He did cool off in July, but he came right back in August and September. So I think at times, Mike, it's almost as important to see that adjustment mm. and see you have that little struggle after you come back and, and pull out of that than it is anything else. I think it'll be interesting to watch him this year and, and where he goes with all this. I think he took a big step forward. Um, a lot of times for myself, Shannon, I'll look at guys when they are in that struggle that you talked about. He was so hot, and things seemed so easy for him. And then he had that struggle. But the thing that was encouraging for me is he was able to fight his way back out of it. Um, and maybe that consistency he had that last month and a half, two months of the season is something that we'll see more of from him. 
the, the most difficult thing, and, and I've had to take a step back a few times myself, is because when you see Mike and the things that he's capable of doing, I think sometimes the expectations for him, um, I don't want to say it too hard, but maybe that we're expecting it too fast. And he's had to go through a lot, especially when you consider the position that he plays. And he has things that you cannot teach, power being one of them, and his type of power. Um, it's just a matter of squaring it up more often. And I think he was on his way to doing that last year, and I think he'll, he'll take another step forward. And if he does that, um, you're talking about a pretty special player. What do you think this offseason is like for him? Can he finally relax a little bit? My hope is that he's excited. Mentally reactive. Yeah, I, I, my hope is that this year, um, unlike the previous couple of years when, when he had all these different things he was going to have to work on and come to spring training and try to win a job, I, I, my hope is, is that this year um, – he enjoyed the process of the winter more so that when he comes to spring training, um, there's an energy about him and a confidence um, I think that he's going to need, and I, and I think that's a possibility for him. Because if he's that way um, and he does well early, I, I think, again, he's going to be a big part of what this, this team can do. Because if you look at the lineup overall, he's going to be towards the bottom of the lineup. And if you're getting that kind of production out of the bottom of your lineup, you're in pretty good shape. And Mike is certainly capable of that. And let's not forget, he worked with 40 different pitchers as well. Yeah, that's the whole point to it all. It's a difficult thing, and I think because you can see the raw ability, our, our expectations of how quickly he should evolve with the, mm -hmm. the draft status and everything that goes with him, and then what you physically see, I think sometimes is unreal, and maybe that's been the case with Mike, and maybe this is just the path that he is on. Um, but once he gets there, he's going to be special. You know, for those who forgot, Mike ended the season hitting 251, 25 bombs out of the year, uh, an OPS of 840. And this yeah. is uh, special. A huge number yeah. for a guy when you look at uh, some of the struggles uh, earlier in his career and an uh, absolute breakout season. We'll be exciting to see what Mike said. You know, and trying to get 40 pitchers through yeah. the season. <laughs> that's, that's yeah. It's a, a lot to carry. It is. It's a lot to carry. Well, we are just underway. Second hour of the hot stove. We'll be talking with Larry Stone for a couple of segments about the Mariners in 2018 and also. Edgar Martinez and his journey to Cooperstown, hoping that becomes official not long from now. But when we return, we'll have a chance to talk with one of the uh, younger starting pitchers in the Mariners rotation. That is Andrew Moore, former Beeve, joins us after this quick break. Get your youngsters geared up for Mariners baseball when you sign them. Back to more of the Hot Stove on 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle Sports app. The windup and the 0-2 pitch, and it's strike three. Call, he got him looking. A fastball on the outside edge. Andrew Moore striking out Judge for his first strikeout of the night. Welcome back inside the Hot Stove. Aaron Goldsmith, Mike Flowers, and Shannon Dreyer. Joined to the line by Mariners starting pitcher Andrew Moore. Andrew, on the caravan, how are things going? Thanks for joining us tonight. Yeah, thank you guys for having me on. It's, uh, yeah, going really well, just uh, getting through the off season and um, out here on the caravan with Alta Villa and Sims and Brian Hunter and some of those guys, and it's been, uh, been a blast so far these last couple of days. Now, are you spending the off season in uh, your home state of Oregon once again this year? Yeah, yeah, I'm living back in Eugene and then um, go up to Oregon State and train up in Corvallis quite a bit. But, uh, yeah, mostly mostly back in Eugene, um, yeah, working out and throwing and everything back there. What was your workout like this winter? When did you start throwing off a mound? What were some of the things that you did? Uh, we gave about a month off of just doing nothing, letting the body rest, especially being the first time playing through September. Um, that last month was pretty tough physically getting through it, so um, – Hitting the reset button, and then um, I would say early November started really getting after it, and then um, 
early December, started picking up the ball and slowly introducing throwing back into the program as well. And then um, been off the mound a couple times now, just some light work. So, um, yeah, slowly getting more and more aggressive with that as the offseason goes on. But, um, yeah, just kind of slowly implementing everything back into um, the routine and getting ready for next year. Now, it's not just September that was kind of new for you, a lot of firsts for you, your first big league call-up. What? How do you take that information and process it and kind of put it into a plan and what you need to do going forward when you have a whole off season to do that? Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. It was, um, you know, had some tough moments, and uh, a lot of the guys were there and kind of gave me some, um, you know, some pointers on how to get through it. But uh, overall, it was a great experience and learned a ton, so, um, you know, now it just comes down to making the proper adjustments, like you said. And um, I learned some stuff about, you know, how to prepare and, um, you know, what I need to do to get my body um, ready for the start every five days. So um, that's something I just need to, you know, hone in on and um, improve going into next year and um, try and keep the consistency as high as I can. Andrew Moore is our guest, Mariner's starting pitcher on the hot stove. I was curious, Andrew, when I remember when you made one of your, your first starts in the big leagues last season, it was against the Kansas City Royals. And when I was looking at kind of your career path and the recent run of the Royals, and as we all remember from last season, the, the team that we saw last year for Kansas City was, was basically their World Series team. And when they won the World Series, you were making your pro debut in Everett. And I was curious, when you are – watching those guys win the World Series as you're just fresh out of Oregon State, and now you're facing yeah. uh, Eric Hosmer and Mike Moustakis. Did you feel, I mean, yeah. because you're in the big leagues and you're on a big league mound, do you feel automatically like a big leaguer, or is there still kind of this feeling of, hey, I am, I'm still working into this? How do you remember specifically that day facing Kansas City? Yeah, that's, I'd never really thought about it in that, in that aspect. That's uh that's pretty cool. But, probably better yeah, you didn't think about that then. You can think about it now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, yeah, that's that's a really tough lineup, and um, they have a bit of everything. They got speed. They got power from both sides, a lot of experience. But, um, yeah, you try to not think about that kind of stuff too much. Uh, in my first start facing facing Miggy, that was kind of a moment where I was like, wow, this is, this is pretty cool. But, um, yeah, after that, it's just kind of locking into the Skyrim report and um, trying to stay focused and, um, you know, those guys are obviously some of the best in the world, so you can't really, um, you know, uh, sway from your from your scouting report and the intense mindset that you have. But, um, yeah, I mean, that was that was a tough battle. That lineup's really good, especially facing them two or three times. They're so good at making adjustments that, um, you know, you've got to be on your toes and ready to make um, proper adjustments yourself. And, um, you know, Z and Chooch and Stott were awesome with helping me through that process because, you know, a lot of times in the minor leagues, you can just dominate with, you know, one or two pitches throughout a whole game. But in the major leagues, they're so good at adjusting on the fly to what you're doing that you can't really um, do that for more than one or two times through the lineup. One of the things that you talked about last year, Andrew, also it was execution. Um, we may not always yeah. see it, but it, it may it may be have been the right pitch, but maybe you missed a spot in a location. And, and the other thing you yeah. talked about was how guys up here typically aren't going to miss those mistakes. And as you think about that, on, yeah. on the execution side of it, is it more mechanical with you or more mental with you? Um, where are you at with that? Yeah, mechanically is definitely um, a huge part of it where you have to be able to repeat your delivery and, um, you know, all those things. But also just the mentality, like you said, where, um, you know, if you're trying to bust the fastball into some of the power hitters, um, you know, you've got to have full belief in yourself and in that pitch. If there's 
you know, any doubt that creeps in, that's where maybe you'll, you know, leave one over the middle of the plate and won't quite have the same effectiveness as you want it to. So um, I would say both of those for sure play a huge role in that. And, um, yeah, I mean, those games are good and they hit mistakes, but you just got to be able to, um, you know, keep them guessing, keep them off balance and, um, you know, just kind of you know, mix up how you're, pro- how you're approaching them. Andrew, the Mariners made some kind of interesting moves, not with players uh, so much in the offseason, but in, in staff. And uh, you look at kind of the configuration that they have of the coaching staff right now, and one of the extra hitting coaches was taken and put on third base, and all of a sudden there's an extra pitching coach. And then they bring in a bullpen guy who also has uh, experience in, in, uh, in pitching coach and academy-type, kind of driveline-type settings. What is that going to do, you think, for the entire group to have those extra eyes to have those extra philosophies and and to have just uh you know it kind of divided up a little bit more rather than one guy just kind of having to take care of everybody yeah i think that'll be awesome just because especially during the season so often pitchers are split up where you'll have a few starters uh throwing a bullpen you'll have some relievers doing some flat ground work you'll have you know maybe some other guys coming out a little bit later so um just having multiple sets of eyes that you know you can trust and and, you know, you can work with on mechanics or mindset or a new pitch. I mean, that's going to be awesome having more resources. Um, and, yeah, I mean, we're definitely going to be able to put up some runs. So I think, uh, you know, the more help we can get with the pitching and um, preventing runs aspect of the game will be, um, be the better. So I'm really excited to work with all the new minds we got and um, hopefully keep improving my game and uh, lead to some more wins on the field. I talked about it a lot last year when I had a chance to watch you pitch, and, and it, you seem with your with your body language out there that nothing bothers you. Did the game ever speed up on you? Yeah, I'd say there was a couple starts where I felt like it was, and um, I would say that Yankee start was really the first time I felt it. Um, just kind of that was, you know, a really good crowd, and they kind of, um, you know, were getting into it pretty good, and I felt like I was speeding up a little bit, so. Felt like once September came around, that was something I really wanted to focus on and um, talk to Stott and um, some of the other guys about just learning when you feel yourself uh, kind of tipping past that edge, I guess, of stepping off the mound, taking a deep breath, regathering your thoughts, and then making sure you're committed to you know the next batter or the next pitch before you go up there because you know so often you can make that one pitch where you're not fully committed to or not fully there, and then that's the one that ends up you know biting you in the butt and um, can affect a, an outing in a negative way. So you really got to make sure that, you know, you're there for every pitch. Andrew, what would Dr. Lorena Martin say about your diet on the caravan? Are they, t- are they taking care of you? Are, are you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're feeding us really well. Okay. And, um, yeah, we're about to go eat some um, some good food down here, so I think she'd be, she'd be pleased with how they're feeding us for <laughs> well, sure. We're, we're, she has Sean Grindley's numbers, so, she, you know, she's going to follow up. <laughs> make sure everybody's got the right intake of everything. And uh, by Absolutely. the way, to circle back to that Kansas City game, you went eight innings. I know you're too humble to say that, but uh, so I'd say you handled that just fine. Uh, but, hey, uh, Andrew, we really appreciate you taking some time. It's, it's good to catch up with you as always, and we look forward to seeing you down in Peoria. Definitely. Thank you guys very much for having me. See you soon. Likewise. Andrew Moore, Mariner starting pitcher, joining us here on the hot stove. When we come back, uh, we're looking forward to this one. Larry Stone of the Times joins us. We're going to talk things all, all things Mariners in 2018 and also we're going to carve out a good chunk of time to talk about Edgar as well. Larry Stone on the other side. 
Take a group out to the ball game and save. Groups of tw- all things Mariners, all off season. The hot stove on 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle Sports app. Aaron Goldsmith, Shannon Dreyer, and Mike Flowers with you tonight on the hot stove. And we are very happy to welcome a good friend of ours and somebody that you no doubt read all the time, Larry Stone of the Seattle Times. Larry, it is good to talk to you as always, man. How are things? I'm uh, doing great. Uh, great to talk some baseball with you guys. Well, you know, first of all, Larry, I have to ask, did did you ever have quite the professional uh, gratitude than you did when writing the full feature on Kevin Kremen retiring? I mean, was that was that the greatest baseball writing you've ever done? <laughs> I think it's right up there. Yeah, definitely. And and when you retire in 40 or 50 years. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? The funny, the ironic thing is you write this whole article on, on Kevin retiring and Kevin's here tonight with us. I mean, he still, he still hasn't retired. I mean, the, the, the I know. He's, he's making us, he's making me look like a liar. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Hey, we're, we're very happy that you can give us some of your time this evening. We're eager to talk, uh, about the Mariners, we're gonna we're gonna talk in the second segment with you about Edgar as well. But but first of all, when you see uh, this off season for Jerry and the Mariners, it has been, as we were saying a little bit earlier tonight, it's been uh, kind of eerily quiet recently, hasn't it? It has not just Jerry, but all throughout baseball. I mean, you look at the free agent list, and it's uh, not that different from the one we started out with in uh, in November. So uh, it's a little bit odd. There's a lot of different theories going on, but you'd think that that. Jerry would be the uh, the outlier there and and go crazy like usual, but you know he's made a couple of moves. But you're right; it is kind of eerily quiet. Larry, you kind of look at the off season right now, and it's so different from past off seasons, and so many different factors. You look at the game right now. I mean, I, I don't. We had Dr. Lorena Martin on earlier this uh, show, and I know that you had an ex- extensive sit down with her earlier in the off season, but. So many changes for baseball and, and how it's everything that's behind the scenes. You look, you know, 10 years ago there was one sabermetric team. Now every team is in on the numbers. And now the Mariners trying to push the boundaries with uh, the high performance, the peak performance side of things. Players uh, obviously work out differently in the off season than they did before. And lo and behold, now we're looking at an off season that's very different because it would appear that team strategies are different in how they're putting everything together. Can you kind of just sum up what where baseball is right now and, and the change <laughs> that we've seen? And I mean, it doesn't seem it seems only like a few years. Yeah, you know, Moneyball I think kind of ushered in the new era in a, in a way. It was all about finding market inefficiencies, and the A's were kind of the only ones doing it. They were at the forefront of it, and and everyone kind of caught on to that and. Now all the front offices are populated with, uh, you know, uh, analytic savvy, uh, sabermetric, uh, uh, fluent people. And so, you know, Jeff Passan had an interesting article yesterday about why the uh, the market is frozen. Teams have figured out that it's not necessarily smart to pay big money contracts to guys when they're it's sort of a paradox of baseball that you reach free agency and get the big money after six years when you tend to be 30, 31 and hitting your decline years. And and teams used to sort of overlook that and, and give out these big contracts, and they're just not doing it now um, because time has proven that those tend to be uh, 
particularly at the end of the deal, just not not good for the team. So a lot of guys who thought they were going to get big contracts this year kind of hung out to dry and are still still sitting out there. Yeah. Uh, so um, I think that's been the biggest change has been the the change in the front office to and the influx of analytics and the different sort of a different way of looking at things. And it's uh, to a large extent been to the detriment of, of players as they hit free agency. Um, you know, the, the, the gravy train that players were on for, for all those years, maybe nearing an end or at least shifting anyway. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk about when the next contract is up that the, the, uh, the, the players are going to have to maybe shift for earlier, you know, go for a free agency after four years or something like that so that players are in their prime when they hit free agency. Cycles in baseball happen all the time. Um, you know, you go from a four-man rotation to a five-man rotation. Larry, do you think we're going to see a six-man rotation? And with everything that we've seen over the last couple of years, and, and we're obviously really close to it here in Seattle with uh, the injuries to the pitching, but the importance of the bullpens and how all of that's going to play out, and are they going to try to take more innings away from these guys that are starting just to keep them healthy? Yeah, you know, I think, Mike, I think that's the trend that we're going in. You look at the teams that were in the World Series last year, the, the Astros won the World Series, and their innings leader, I think, had 153 innings for the season. I think there were only 10 yeah. guys in baseball who reached 200 innings. Can you imagine that, you know, when, when you were playing? Right. You know, uh, I mean, there, there it used to be it was uh, people were wondering what happened to the 300-inning mm. pitcher. Now – now it's what's happened to the 200-inning pitcher because those innings are now being spread out uh, to relievers with 13-man pitching staff, which leaves you with a very limited bench. But, uh, you know, I think that's part of sabermetrics, too. The, the, you know, the numbers that show the third time through the lineup, the, the, the decreasing numbers for starters. So, you know, why, why, why do it? Why, why uh, subject yourself to that when you can spread it out among fresh-armed pitchers? So, you know, I, I I think you're kind of right at the trend. Um, you know, I still I still like the idea of a horse in your rotation. You know, a vintage Felix kind of guy who will give you 220 innings, uh, solid innings, and you can pencil that in every year. You know, maybe maybe Paxton could do that this year, or, or you know, maybe. But I do think for now that the, the six man rotation is probably going to be coming for some team and. Uh, fewer and fewer pitchers are going to be asked to go even six or seven innings. Maybe five and uh, the old five and dive might not have a, a, a pejorative uh, uh, connotation anymore. In, in your opinion, when you when you see things like that, and obviously there's there's a lot of changes that have gone in this game over a very long period of time, but something like that, and you mentioned it, all of a sudden you're going to have 12, 13 guys out in the bullpen. You're having all these pitching changes. In, in just your personal opinion. Does it hurt, help, or does it make a difference as far as the overall health of the game? I think, you know, I, I think it hurts in, in this respect. Uh, you know, baseball is fighting battles of, of perception that it's a boring sport, that it's losing the young people. And when you get to the fifth or sixth innings and you have all those pitching changes, you know, a lefty, righty, lefty, uh, the game stops after one batter and then you change pitchers again, it just, it really, to me, uh, it, it ruins the flow of the game. Uh, you know, I know there's been some talk of uh, limitations. You know, I, that's one thing that's going to happen this year. There's going to be several things to speed up the game. They're trying to negotiate with the Players Association. But, 
but the the commissioner has the power to just implement them unilaterally if the if the union doesn't agree with them. And there's been talk of like limiting the number of pitching changes per inning, things like that. And I don't necessarily think that would be a bad thing for the just for the uh, um, aesthetic uh, pleasure of a game. I mean, I maybe I'm maybe it's just me, but I I don't like having pitching changes every few minutes. So uh, in that regard, I don't think it's a good thing. Larry Stone is with us here in the hot stove. Larry, in kind of broad strokes, as you have seen this offseason unfold for the Mariners, obviously uh, the bullpen has been added to, the lineup has been added to as well. Uh, there is uh, plenty of clamoring for the rotation and whether or not uh, Jerry needs to add one of the high-priced free agents, if that's even a possibility for him. Uh, what do you make overall as to where the Mariners sit right now? If this was the team that the Mariners took to spring training, how are you feeling about it? Well, I'm not feeling so good, to be, to be frank. I mean, you look at the 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 Astros in the division look almost uh, you know insurmountable, having gotten now added uh, Garrett Cole to an already great rotation, Verlander and Keuchel and, and Morton, all those guys, um, and the great team that they have. Uh, so, I mean, if you're realistic, I think even Jerry has sort of acknowledged this year they're, they're going to be tough to catch. So you're going for a for a wild card, and then you've got you know, the, the Red Sox and or Yankees, one team wins that division and then one other one that's gonna be a tough team to beat out for the for a wild card spot. So, you know, it's 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 gonna be a tough road and I just you know, I like their rotate or excuse me, I like their lineup uh, with D Gordon. I think that's a nice addition. Uh their bullpen is very solid. Uh I just don't see the starting depth right now. Um you know, I know they're counting heavily on, on Erasmo and maybe Marco Gonzalez at the bottom of that rotation. Uh, but you need a lot of things to go right. You know, Paxton to stay healthy, Felix to make a comeback. You know, Leak looks, you know, Leak's a solid three, four kind of guy. Um, but you're you're counting a lot on guys like Erasmo Ramirez and Marco Gonzalez. And when you look at the competition, uh, that's going to be tough. Well, we want to talk with Larry a little bit more. We're going to step aside for a brief moment when we come back. More with Larry Stone after this timeout. Back to more of the Hot Stove on 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle Sports app. In the expansion era that goes back to 1961, only three players have a better on-base percentage than Edgar Martinez. Barry Bonds, Frank Thomas, and Joey Votto. That's it for the last 56 years. Martinez's career OPS plus was 147. The precise park-adjusted OPS for that man, Willie McCovey. In fact, over each of their peaks, Martinez stacks up right alongside McCovey, a first ballot Hall of Famer. And even with Martinez playing mainly at DH and McCovey playing the field, Martinez had a higher average war in his 14-year run. Martinez was every bit as valuable as McCovey, a big-time slugger who made the 500 home run club when it meant something. Now we can thank Brian Kinney of MLB Network for those nuggets on Edgar Martinez as we continue our conversation with Larry Stone. And, you know, Larry, you look at the numbers right now, and still there's a ways to go, no doubt about it. Under 50% of ballots have been received, uh, but Edgar is at 80% right now. Of course, the threshold is 75. 81. 81. Another vote came in. in the Yes, thank you, Kevin Kernan in New York. Uh, he Kevin? A, he's 81 straight up right now. Friend of the show, Kevin Kernan. Um you know, Stoney, first of all, before we kind of get into the candidacy of Edgar a little bit more, first and foremost, Larry, what is it that you make of just kind of the rapid rise? I mean, this is 
I mean, if, if this comes to fruition and you get the sense that it certainly will, if not this year, next year, that this is beginning to feel more like justice than anything else. Yeah, it's it's truly remarkable. You know, I, I, I happened to talk to Edgar today for a Sunday story, and he admitted that he had pretty much given up hope a couple of years ago. He, you know, he was heading in the wrong direction. I think he was down to like 28%, and he'd just come to the conclusion that it wasn't going to happen. And then there just kind of started to be this movement. You know, a lot of influential people – there's a lot of factors in my mind at work. There's a lot of influential people started advocating for him. Uh, the ballot cleared out a little. You know, the rule of ten was hurting him. He was the I think he was the eleventh guy on a lot of people's ballots. Uh, you know, last year three got in. I think it was so there was some more space and 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 then it just kind of builds up its own momentum. And uh, you know, he he's uh, come farther faster than Tim Raines did, who was about the same spot and got in on his his last try. And, you know, Edgar's poised to get in, if not this year, certainly next year. You know, I, uh, I'm more and more confident with each passing day that he's going to get in. And if you'd asked me that before the vote was announced last year, I would say it was he, uh, he was an extreme long shot. And then he made a big rise last year and an even bigger rise this year. And now there's just sort of this momentum that seems unstoppable, which is truly amazing. We've seen a number of people, obviously, who have not voted for him in the past, and uh, be it they're acknowledging the DH or be it they are acknowledging stats that they hadn't before, it's come to his benefit. Is, is there a player like that that you're, you've kind of looked at a little bit differently the last couple of years? Well, Larry Walker is one. Uh, you know, I vote, he's a guy I voted for early on, and then I stopped voting for him because my ballot just got too crowded, but I always wanted to. And, you know, the closer you look at him, the better the better he looks, I think. Uh, you know, he's sort of facing a, a bias like Edgar has the DH bias that he has to deal with. Larry Walker has the Coors Field bias that he has to deal with. People who say, oh, he's just a product of playing at Coors Field. But, you know, I think he was a great player. He was a great player in Montreal before he got to Coors Field. He was a great player on the road. Sure, it inflated his stats, but... Uh, in my mind, he's a Hall of Famer, and I voted for him again this year. And he's make, you know, he's uh, he's going to make a huge jump this year as well. And he's got a few more years on the ballot, so he might get there as well. Larry, obviously, we're all pulling for Edgar and want him to get in and, and want him to go in this year. And we've talked a lot about analytics and numbers and and all the different things with Gar. But I'm just curious for, for yourself as as you take, kind of take a step back from all of that and you think about Edgar and what you just saw yeah. yourself on the field. What comes to mind? Uh, his consistency, I think, and just that sweet that sweet right-handed mm-hmm. swing, you know, one of the best right-handers we've seen, uh, you know, the clutch hit, uh, the, <laughs> the, uh, the double, you know, that, that always comes to mind when I think of him. But just him sort of just lashing line drives all over the field. And to me, he, uh, you know, you, the statistics are great, but some players – some some players just pass that that vision test, that sniff test, and for me, he does. Uh, you know, you you knew that you were looking at an elite hitter when you were looking at Edgar Martinez, and I think the closer you look at the at the numbers, I think one thing that's helping him is that uh, the comparison to David Ortiz. I think there's a sort of this uh, the sense that Ortiz is a surefire Hall of Famer, first ballot guy, and when you really crunch the numbers, if you take out home runs and, and you take out uh, uh, World Series titles, uh, Edgar Edgar's numbers blow 
David Ortiz is away in, in a lot of ways. And so if you if you're of the belief that Ortiz is going to go in, I don't see how you can keep Edgar Martinez out. Well, Larry, you bring up the numbers. That reminds us of a conversation that uh, Mike and I had a chance to have with Tim Kirchin during a spring training game last year where he, where he referenced the numbers of Edgar. He's a 300, 400, 500 guy for his career. There are like 18 of those guys in history. Then when you take those specific numbers and try to find people that have a higher average, a higher on base, and a higher slugging than him, there are like seven guys in Major League history that have better numbers than him. And I covered baseball significantly at the time of his prime. And, Mike, you know this. Mm -hmm. When you ask people, like, who are the best hitters in the American League? And Edgar Martinez's name always came up. You know, you mentioned, Stoney, that there are guys that have kind of taken this as like a personal cause, like the Tim Raines thing. I mean, Tim Kirchin, uh, one of the best in the business, kind of sounds like he has done that as well. Uh, because when, when we talked to Tim about it, uh, we kind of went into that conversation saying, you know, you know Tim, with, with the emphasis on the new numbers, right, this is this has got to give Edgar a case. And, and Tim kind of shot us down and said, guys, it doesn't matter if it's new numbers or old numbers or any kind of numbers. The numbers are great no matter what you're looking at. He's got to be in. I mean, that's kind of what we came away with. Yeah, you know, the, the 300, 400, 500 thing to me, it's very simple, but it's very powerful. Um, you know, 300 batting average, 400 on base, 500 slugging. Uh, it just doesn't happen, like Tim said. And Edgar Edgar did that. Uh, um, so, you know, you don't have to be uh, Bill James or, or, <laughs> or Brian Kenny or a Sabre whiz to figure that out. You know, that's pretty, that's pretty black and white. So, um you know, that's a good place to start right there, and then you can work work for, work from there. But uh, you know, and the, and if you look at WAR, you know, wins above replacement, which is the 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 stat of choice, uh, it it already penalizes you for being a DH. It has a built-in penalty, and he still uh, comes up with with great numbers. So, uh, you know, comparative to other people at his position. Even if you look at other first basemen, you know, uh, I heard Brian Kenny uh, on this station earlier today talking about that. He compared him to, to first baseman, and uh, um, and uh, he stacks up really well, uh, he, he, even with the DH penalty. So, well, Larry, I'm curious. The, you go back to last summer when the Mariners retired his number at Safeco Field. It was certainly a deserving honor for Edgar. But the timing of it was not by, in my eyes, not by mistake. I mean, this was some, or by coincidence, I mean, this was a, a very smart, strong, wise move by the Mariners. You can really kind of see, whether it be through social media or what have you, uh, the, the ripple effect of the Edgar buzz that came out of the Northwest over that weekend in the summer. I'm, I'm kind of curious between that and then the strong overtures of the Mariners' uh, uh, public relations department when it comes to Edgar. I mean, it, it is opened eyes. Did you see anything with the number retirement really to kind of put Edgar above the fold? For, I know it might only sound like a weekend, but I mean, this was a big deal in Seattle, obviously, a big deal in franchise history. I'm curious how much that kind of went to with send some shockwaves through baseball, even for a small moment, but with that, what kind of lasting impact that might have on some guys? Yeah, you know, I think it, it helped. I think it's sort of like. Uh... Uh, drops of water in the in the the cup that's filling up. You know the the award named after him, the the retirement of the number, the the articles, the the stats the Mariners have put out uh, that, that that are very persuasive. 
Um, the testimonials from people like Randy Johnson and Ken Griffey Jr. and Mariano Rivera, you know, all the pitchers who have said that he's the toughest guy they faced, as you as you mentioned earlier. Um, you know, I think I think that all builds a case, and I think that that uh, when when some writers see so many other writers voting for Edgar, they think, well, what am I missing here? And they give it a, a closer look, and that's how it kind of builds this momentum of its own. And that you know. It could that could work against you, and it did earlier. And then once you start it rolling in the right direction, it works for you. And you know the final thing is, even if he falls just short this year, next year is going to be his tenth and final year on the ballot. And history has shown that there's a big jump that final year for guys who are close because writers realize this this is it. This is your final chance. You know, Burt Blylevin, Orlando Cepeda, those are guys who got in either on their last year, next to last, and made huge jumps because, you know, it's the, it's the, the moment of reckoning. You, you, you know, if you've been putting it off, putting it off, you can't do it anymore. And, and people tend to get the benefit of the doubt. And, no, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm confident he's going to get you know, it's going to be so exciting next Wednesday because, you know, with Ken Griffey Jr., we knew for sure Jr. was going to get in. It was a matter of whether he was going to be – the only suspense was, was he going to be unanimous? Now with Edgar, I, I honestly don't know whether he's going to get in. It's going to be awfully close. But even if he doesn't get in, I think he's going to be so close that no no one has ever gotten that high and not gotten in. So that's why I'm just so optimistic right now. Is there one thing about the process you would change? Uh, yeah, I think I would uh, eliminate the, the rule of, of 10. The baseball writers uh, proposed, I think, increasing it to 12, and that was turned down by the Hall of Fame. But, you know, I, I like the uh, the binary vote where you you – the idea where you vote, is he a Hall of Famer, yes or no, and there's, there's no limits, uh, you know, because if you think a guy's a Hall of Famer, he's a, you, I know, I'm not sure why you have to be limited. But, you know, uh, we've talked <laughs> – seems like we talk about this every year, and I mentioned this point, but, you know, the ballots get clogged because you have the guys who have had some taint of steroids who aren't quite getting in, but they're they're staying on the ballot. So, uh, you know, the Bonds and the Clemens and the Ramirez's and the Sosa's, those guys, so as long as you have that, it's, for some people it's hard to, to limit it to 10. And uh, if that has hurt people like Edgar and Larry Walker, Fred McGriff and, and guys like that, I, who I some of those – guys i think if there was an unlimited ballot would have been in by now so i think that's one thing that i would at least look at well larry you start throwing around words like binary we, we think we're talking with dr lorena martin again okay <laughs> so go, go easy on us so we're, we're still recovering okay hey yeah uh, stoney this... as far as i know i might have completely misused that so, uh... <laughs> larry it is always a pleasure man thank you so much for the time all right i had fun thanks there's larry stone of the seattle times Good, good chat as always. All right, well, now is the time to get on board for the 2018 season as a Mariners season ticket holder. Whether you're looking to spend quality time with the family and friends or have more face time with your employees and clients, Mariners season tickets provide unmatched value and versatility. You can visit mariners.com slash 18 for more information. And hey, we've got a lot more to wrap things up. Uh, we've uh, referenced the idea of maybe a six-man rotation. We'll hear Jerry DePoto talk about whether or not that will happen for the Mariners in 2018. That's coming up after this timeout. Looking to enhance your group outing at Safeco? All things Mariners, all off-season. The Hot Stove on 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle Sports app.
Hey, good news. Single game tickets are on sale now, which means you can lock in your seats to some of the biggest games of the year, including opening night, uh, kids opening day, fireworks nights, and big matchups against the Yankees, Dodgers, and many more. Get ready for Mariners baseball at Safeco Field when you visit Mariners.com for tickets. Well, we've had a fine uh, hot stove show here tonight, and you know there have been some interesting points raised, including the conversation, guys, of the potential for a six-man rotation, whether that be maybe becoming kind of an industry norm. Maybe we'll find out. But it was interesting that uh, Jerry Depoto recently actually talked about how they're already internally discussing the fact that this could be a very real possibility for the Mariners this season. In all likelihood, we will be carrying eight. It's a matter of, of how frequently, if at all, we run more than a five-man rotation. There may be a period of time during the course of the year where we carry a six-man rotation in order to, to ease the innings load on the pitchers. And you know, we do feel like it's some combination of the five starters we presently project in addition to whatever comes to pass with Andrew Moore, with Marco Gonzalez, with Ariel Miranda, uh, whatever contributions they make, and multi-inning relievers like we just mentioned with Nicasio and Phelps and Rumbelow and Altavilla, it's, it gives us the ultimate flexibility and what we're looking for in our pen or on our pitching staff and allows us to manage the innings. We're, we're looking at innings as, as a total number, and how can we, how can we start peeling off some of that total innings number uh, as the season goes along? And you might find 50 or 60 of them disappear in the form of a reliever and another 150 disappear with a starter. But we're not going to put the burden of 225 on a single pitcher. It, it's, that's not the way the game works anymore. And for full context, at the very start of that, when he says carrying eight, he's referring to carrying eight relievers in the Mariners' bullpen is how things obviously line up for this year. But this is interesting. I, I don't know if there are many other general managers who are speaking at this time of year about the very real likelihood that 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 could happen to their team at some point over the course of the season. I, th- I think that you're going to see it. I, I think especially with the way bullpens are going right now and how important they are. Um, and we've seen what the innings can do. I, I, I think that you're going to see it. Not everybody, maybe. Um, maybe more days off will we'll help these guys manage that a little bit more. But how, how valuable is somebody like Felix, who had been throwing 220, 230 innings for 10 years, when when that guy comes back around again, how valuable is he going to be to an organization, and and what's that going to cost? When we were talking about the free agents that are out there right now, having a tough time getting signed. I believe the Rangers are doing it too. Uh, I don't know if it's a full on six or if it's going to be just kind of when you get into those long stretches. It's a very different schedule this year, right. which will play into it, which should hopefully help with the off days that they have. But uh, yeah, options play into it too. They've got some guys they don't have a lot of flexibility with right now, but I think it is the biggest thing: get the best out of them and. You've got guys that have kind of showed that uh, I think rest does benefit them some. So this could be a big plus for the Mariners. A lot of the moves that we haven't seen on the field, I think they might be doing some interesting things, kind of controlling things behind the scenes that might benefit and might ultimately add up to some wins. I, I know, Shannon, that you, you pencil it out all the time. When you look at this club, and it looks like we're going with 13 pitchers, the five starters and, and the eight in the bullpen, is there going to be a couple of guys out in that pen that will be the spot starter or they will bring in? just to hold those innings back and look for them to go three or four innings in an outing? 
Uh, I don't think – I think that there will be a couple of guys. I think one of the interesting guys that they brought in was Nick Rumbelow, who has pitched a lot of games, two innings. And you, you heard about them trying to turn somebody into a Davinsky-type model. And Max Posey yeah. is now back to a starter mode, role, so it's not going to be him. I don't think it's going to be a long guy. I think it's going to be more uh, – I think they like the variety that they have down in the pen. I think it will just probably be another arm. So a collective group of guys that can go two, possibly three innings. Uh, yeah. Yeah. When you look at David Phelps, right? Phelps before the injury, this was a guy who could certainly go multiple innings for you. I mean, that was a, a, one of the big lures for getting David Phelps. I think, honestly, it's going to be more guys that can go around, too. I don't think we're yeah. going to see a lot of the three. And Juan Acasio as well. Acasio is a guy who can work multiple innings as well. So uh, interesting stuff there from the general manager. We'll see um, at what point, if at any point, this upcoming season the Mariners will go to a six-man rotation. But as Mike was saying, I mean, look at the schedule, especially in the first month of the season. The off days are very beneficial to the Mariners, and you would think would be for other teams as well, as that would work out. Well, glad you could join us tonight for the hot stove. Uh, we are uh, – boy, this one's in the books. We had a good one. Remember, you can always find the podcast of this uh, online, MyNorthwest.com. You can get the uh, full replays of each and every hot stove show. We'll be with you again next week. Our big thanks to uh, Larry Stone most recently, Andrew Moore as well, Dr. Lorena Martin. Uh, very fascinating as well, and Dan Altavilla. So for Shannon Dreher, Mike Flowers, I'm Aaron Goldsmith, and for uh, Kevin Kriman as well. Good night.